Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And of course, we're here every Thursday night to bring truths to our culture, especially to the polygamists, so that they will know that Joseph Smith did lie to them about everything, including polygamy. But first, before we get started on our topic, we do have an announcement to make. Uh, the conference on Mormonism to Christianity, the meetup on that uh, topic, is happening uh, this uh, two weeks from, well, one week from this coming Saturday on July 19th, uh, Saturday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's going to be held at Lifeline Community Church. Um, The address is on your screen. It's 4431 West, 8200 South in West Jordan. Of course, you can go to their website, lifelinecommunity.com, for the location, and you can register. Um, And it's kind of a long link there, but it's from Mormonism to Christianity.weebly.com, and then register there. Uh, that's free. You don't have to pay to come, but they would like to know how many will be coming uh, for food if you stay there for lunch. Um, Several speakers are lined up for the discussion, and they'll be talking about their journey from uh, the Mormon religious belief to Christianity, and we encourage you to come if you are in the transition stage, or if you're interested in this topic, or if you know someone who is, you can bring them along with you. We do look forward to uh, seeing old friends and making new friends on Saturday, July 19th, beginning at 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. You know, the Bible tells us that Satan leads people captive to do his will. He does this in various ways, and each way is through deceit and a believable or flattering lie. For instance, he lied to Eve when he told her they wouldn't die if they ate the fruit. But they did die because there is a penalty for every single sin. And one of the lies that he tells people today is that there is no hell. He redefines God's mercy by saying God is all merciful, so he'll not judge our sins and send anyone to hell. These are fine-sounding and feel-good lies from the devil, but Jesus called him the father of lies. According to the Mormon culture, hell is a spirit prison, which is a kind of holding tank for those who died outside of Mormonism, or in case of the fundamentalists, those who died outside of their polygamy group. And then after they die, they stay in uh, spirit prison until they're resurrected and judged. Well, most of them will then go to the celestial kingdom, which is the lowest of Mormonism's three kingdoms of glory, but some of them will be found completely unworthy and will remain in outer darkness forever. Those who apostatize become sons of perdition, which is the worst of all punishments. That, in a nutshell, that's the description of judgment according to Mormonism. Of course, that includes polygamy groups and what they teach. When compared to how Jesus explained hell, these are all human myths and are just plain not true. 
In truth, many people who end up in hell will be those that trusted in a religious organization and in the religious rule of man for truth rather than trusting God's own testimony from his Bible. Because our culture rejects the biblical teaching of hell and because our purpose is to bring biblical truths to the polygamous culture, we've dedicated this week <clears throat> and next week's shows to present the good news and the bad news. Tonight is the bad news. Next week is the good news. And the bad news is there really is a real hell. And to present these biblical truths, we invited the pastor of the Main Street Church of Brigham City to bring his biblical knowledge to the discussion. So I'd like to introduce and welcome back to our show, Pastor Jim Callen. Good to be back again. Yeah, you're it's back. I was yeah. just here a few weeks ago, wasn't I? You were or on our on something? our yeah. sixth anniversary. Yeah, for the show. Well, this won't be quite as lighthearted as that show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always good to have you here. In fact, it was your idea to do I, this I know, topic. I and, know. I know. <clears throat> and it's a very unpopular subject, as we've talked about, and we'll probably be laughed at and maybe even scorned at for doing this particular yeah, show. Yeah. But why are we talking about hell why tonight? Why are we talking about hell? Um, <clears throat> well, first off. And let me just be clear on this, not to manipulate people. I think in the past, uh, in some churches, hell always came up as a topic that you could, you could scare people enough that they'd get saved. And that's not what we're about. Right. I mean, we, wanna, we do want to be fair about what hell's all about. But I, early on when I started um, talking with Mormons that I knew, Mormons that I worked with when I worked in industry, I found out there was a weird disconnect uh, between what they understood from what Joseph Smith and the subsequent prophets taught, what, what, what they thought, hell was about and what I had been reading in the Bible about what hell was about. And we got into a conversation in someone's living room and we got talking through this and, and uh, the wife of uh, a friend of mine, a co-worker, I was talking about some of the hell topics we'll talk about tonight. And she said, she said, well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, why would Heavenly Father have his children that he loves so much and send them, you know, for this mortal probation just to have all of them go to hell? Yeah. That, that doesn't make any sense at all. And and when she said that, I thought, well, when you say it like that, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And then I stopped for a second and I said, but what I've been talking about is directly out of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so, so what I've come to find is there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between um, what the followers of Joseph Smith think hell is going to be like and whether there's really a, a real peril to them, a, a clear and present danger, and what the Bible says. So I figured, well, let's, let's just see if we can clear that up a little bit tonight. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good idea. And of course, the fact that there is a hell actually is what motivates us to do the show. Yeah, it's a, it's a big part of it because we're criticized a lot for saying, you know, why, why do you continue? Why don't you just leave us alone? Or the classic one, you know, they leave the church, but after they leave the church, you can't leave the church alone. Yeah. There's, this, there's this returning back to talking to, the, to Mormons <coughs> Uh, or any followers of Joseph Smith, even fundamentalists, about these problems. And uh, my coworker Scott put it really well. He says, "Imagine if you, uh, if you were right now transported back to the Titanic, and you were onto the Titanic. You know exactly what's going to happen on the Titanic. What would the most loving thing for you to be if you know that within hours you're going to run into this iceberg? Do you yeah. do you run around on deck and warn everybody and say, no, really, really, believe me, this is a this is a peril. This is going to happen. And of course, gonna, their reaction is going to be they're going to laugh at you." Because, no, this is, this is the unsinkable right, Titanic. Yeah. I mean, it was made not to sink. So that's not right. Or do you simply say, well, I think what I need to do is find a lifeboat before everyone gets in them and kind of get myself out yeah. of here. Well, 
in those two scenarios, there's only one of those that's a loving scenario. And the loving scenario is even despite the ridicule you get back, it's to tell people there's a real danger. There's a danger. There's a real danger here. Yeah. And, and I like to use the analogy that if there's a group of people around and somebody calls and says that one of you has a bomb in your car and we've given oh. you enough time for you to go search your car and disarm the bomb. Right. And everybody there is going to go out and they're going to search in their car because they've got time to I find would. it yeah. and disarm it so that it doesn't cause damage. And yet when we do that uh, to save them from hell, they, they say, well, they, for some reason don't believe that they are the ones that they should check themselves that they might be the ones that's it's going not a, to and not a danger yeah there's not a danger so right, right. why why is it that no one really thinks that they that they they are the ones that will not go to hell yeah and it's 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 uh, if you did a on the street survey of people and you ask them are you going to hell they laugh and say i don't think so and what you what you'll usually hear on the top of the list is well uh, I've done some good things, and I'm not perfect, that's yeah, always the qualifier, yeah. but I've done some good things, so if I've done so some good things, does that qualify me for hell, you know? Or, uh, or, they, or on the opposite side, they can say, well, I can think of people who've been clearly worse than me. So if mm-hmm. I can think of people that's worse than me, then they're probably going to hell, but I'm not, because at least, you know, this relative kind of grading scale thing, you know? Right. So I know people that are clearly worse than me, so... Or they might go to the very bottom of the barrel and say, no, wait, hell's really only reserved for truly evil people. I mean, evil people. And, uh, and I'm clearly not an evil people. Yeah. And there, but there are people, again, they can think of, there are people who are truly evil <clears throat> people. So it, you, can't, you can't see yourself as being in that because there's some good that comes out of you mm-hmm. and there is good that mm-hmm. we can do. Sure. But th- is that enough good to save us from hell? Well, and nobody's gonna get into heaven based on someone else's sinfulness. No, no, from a relative scale, right. right. Yeah, it's not like God says, draws the line here and says, oh, right about here, and, oh, good for you, you're above this. And, <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's a no lie more. biblically, that's, that's not what goes on. And then I think in this culture, especially for the followers of Joseph Smith, there's a complication because uh, the LDS doctrine, um, and it, it goes all the way back to early DNC and Book of Mormon, is that we're all presently children of Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And like the argument that this, this wife had told me in that living room. And so if we started out somehow as children of Heavenly Father, then, then the, the possibility of hell really doesn't make much sense if you have a loving Heavenly Father who's put us in this mortal probation to, to make us better, uh-huh. why would we end up in a bad place? Mm-hmm. So that, that also twists our heads. That's right. And all of these attitudes, of course, are wishful thinking. They're, they're just something that's not based yeah. on truth at all. And yeah. that is what is alarming. And that's really alarming because, in fact, let me quote this. I, a quote from uh, Neil Maxwell. Uh, we don't have this on the slide, but from Ensign Magazine in May 1984. And, and this is one of the few things I've ever agreed with, with Neil Maxwell. <laughs> and he says, <laughs> he says, truly of all the errors mortals could make, God's plan of salvation is the wrong thing to be wrong about. No error could be more enormous or more everlasting in its consequences. Mm-hmm. So there, there's so much wishful thinking about this. You have to say, well, that's just crazy. This could have gigantic consequences. I mean, and without using the word too much, eternal and everlasting and permanent and unchangeable consequences. Exactly. So, so it's really important for us to find a good source of information and know what hell is, what, what's it like, uh, uh, if we're in danger of hell ourselves, I mean, mm-hmm. let's just rationally see if we're in danger of hell rather than going back to the wishful thinking. Um, is there anything we can do if we are in danger of hell? 
And, and I think what we need to do is find these facts directly from Jesus. Mm -hmm. True. And you know, the Bible does tell us to test ourselves. That's yeah. what we should yeah. do, and it's a very important thing to do. Yeah. So before we start answering all these questions, we need to set the ground rules. Our viewers need to know where we're coming from and, and, and how we're, we're basing our information. So whose yeah. authority are you going to trust with the answers that we get tonight? Because this is important stuff. <coughs> so let's make sure we get... Very important. So this is on my authority. No, I'm no? just kidding. Not my, not my authority at all. Um, not LDS authorities, not FLDS authorities, not any fundamentalist authorities, not Catholic authorities, not Protestant authorities. We're just going to go straight to the words of Jesus. The same thing that viewers can do. They can look these things up. Right. And we'll go directly to the words of Jesus. And if you trust the words of Jesus, we'll just let him speak to what we find out about hell. Because he spent a lot of time talking about he it. He did. And if that's a surprise to you, uh, you're not alone. Because a lot of people are shocked that yeah. this... You know, Jesus, meek and mild, lover of everybody, actually talked about the terrors of hell. And he talked more about hell than he did about heaven in his exactly. he here. So it's a that big deal. Means something. And it's high on his list for us to understand. And uh -huh. yet, in most church contexts, you'll find yourself, no one's talking about it. Very few yeah. sermons are on hell. So where do we start? Well, uh, instead of starting with hell, let's start at judgment. <laughs> so that's like just pre-hell in that particular sense. <laughs> um, I mean, everyone knows that Christ <laughs> is frequently referred to as the Savior, and that's accurate. Uh, mm -hmm, Old Testament and New, he's the Savior in that sense. He's the one that will judge. So let me just run a few passages past you. Uh, and I think we've got graphics for these. And mm -hmm. we'll just look at some of those where Jesus himself is the judge. Uh, Romans 2.16 says, uh, I took a piece of it, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And now notice what he says. He says, judge the secrets of men. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're going to get off with something you've done that you've kept secret from everyone else in your entire life, it's not going to be secret. It's not a secret men. to God, and yeah. he will judge those secrets. That's right. So judge the secrets of men by <coughs> Jesus Christ. And then uh, 2 Timothy 4. Uh, is interesting. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. So he's telling, Paul is telling Timothy, his understudy in the ministry basically, mm -hmm. you need to preach the word because uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who will judge the quick, that's us, the living, mm -hmm. and the dead mm -hmm. at his appearing in the kingdom. So you better talk about this. So that's why we're doing this. Yeah, we're we're talking just like Paul encouraged Timothy to do. Hebrews 4.13 uh, great, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So there's the secrets not being able to be concealed right. anymore. Uh, later in Hebrews, in Hebrews 9.27, he says, uh, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the, the judgment. judgment. Now, now notice that sequence. That's yeah. going to come back to us in just a second here. Uh -huh. It's appointed to men once to die, and after this comes judgment. So, um, so you live this life here, you die, and judgment follows. So if judgment is following and hell's a part of that, we better get this figured out before we die. This is the sequence, yeah, like you said. Before we die. And it doesn't, it, this verse does not imply or leave any loopholes for the fact that there's going to be a second chance place after right. we die. Exactly. So that's a serious or issue. Or reincarnation or a return. Exactly. Anything is, All of is that death, then judgment immediately. Death and then judgment. Let me give you another one from Hebrews. Hebrews 10, verse 30. Uh, for we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Whoa. Yeah, that one staggers me every time I read it. And, and when I talk to someone who has 
who seriously bent toward Jesus being just the loving, merciful kind. And then I see this. It's mm -hmm. a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. This is what judgment's going to be all about. And it's, yeah. it's a serious deal. It's a real deal. Uh, let me jump to James 4. There is one lawgiver. This is interesting. There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Wow. So could it be the Savior is also the destroyer of judgment? Well, the, the Savior was the lawgiver. Jehovah on exactly, Mount Sinai gave exactly. the law. Exactly. So you got <clears throat> both sides of this. That's why we're doing good news, bad news. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> it, it clearly is a problem. <laughs> and let me give you another one. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. I love 2 Corinthians 5. It's one of my favorite chapters in the, in the whole Bible. 2 Corinthians 5.10, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body during this life, mm -hmm. according, to that, uh, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So that's it right there. We know what the Bible says is true, so we want to persuade men to believe it so as well. So this is, this is us running around in the deck of the Titanic saying there's an iceberg coming, mm -hmm. or this is you running around checking your car when someone gives you, this is us saying, you've got to listen to this. This is yeah. important. And Jesus spent a lot of his time talking about this, so we got to wake up. A lot of work. And, that's and he said that a lot. Wake up. He be said ready. It, yeah, be ready. Be on guard. Now, what's interesting is that when we look at all of these things, when you see the judgments, so we're talking judgments, which is just prior to hell, uh, judgment in every case where it shows up in the Bible is a judgment for people to go one of two places mm -hmm. and not one of three places. And that's really important. And, and you know, we know this uh, Doctrine and Covenants 76 talks a lot about uh, the, you know, the three glories and the three level heaven and all that kind of stuff. Well, you never see a three-way judgment anywhere Ever. anywhere and everywhere you do see judgment and it comes up over and over in different parables in different contexts over and over it's one of two places a very good place or extraordinarily bad place there is no middle no ground. in between so and, and let me show you some of those because i think those are pretty instructive mm -hmm. Several of the places where you have a, a two-way split. Let me read all of Matthew 13, because, well, not all of Matthew 13, but <laughs> verses 24 through 30. And I'll read this whole section, because this is interesting. It's a parable Jesus tells. He says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. By the way, tare is a, is a, a weed that looks a lot like a young wheat plant. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, they then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to them, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? And he said unto them, Well, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Ah, oh, well, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, No, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up the wheat with them. No, let both grow together unto the harvest, until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So there's only two places there. Two places. And I want you to notice the very bad thing that happens to the tares right there. Yeah. <laughs> They're bundled up and burned mm -hmm. while the wheat is saved. Now this, this is... Uh, standard agriculture. They, mm -hmm. they understand this. Sure. And Jesus extends this to talk about the kingdom because he says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto this. So he's using a very common metaphor to help. Let me go to another two-way judgment. Okay. And it's again, it's, it's uh, the sheep and the goats. 
that happens in the end of Matthew 25. And I, I'm not going to read the whole section. I'd, I'd encourage the viewers to read all of Matthew 25 because that'll get you kind of squared away <laughs> on yeah, this whole thing. Yeah, it sure will. But if I zip down through a couple of verses, Matthew 25, 34, um, the, to, the good, to the good ones, which are the sheep, he says, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Okay. That's good. Okay, mm -hmm. that sounds pretty darn That's good. That's the one way. The other ones, which are the goats, Matthew 25, 41, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay. So I, I want to stop there before I read the last verse. That, there's a lot of interesting things here. Depart from me. So this bad place is clearly at a distance from, Away from, from God. Mm -hmm. and, and when you think about the fact that there is only one who's good, which is God himself, you're going to be in hell completely separated from the only source of good and in the universe. That's good. That's everything. Right. And that's a big problem. And the other one was as they go into an eternal fire that has been prepared not just for them, but for the devil and his angels as well, mm -hmm. the demons. Mm -hmm. So you're in bad company. <laughs> yeah, and, and the devil isn't down there poking people with pitchforks either. He's suffering in hell He's just suffering. like everyone else exactly. that's going to be in there. Exactly. And I kind of twinge every time I see a cartoon that's got you know the pitchfork guy down yeah. there and people hopping around. Yeah. But then let me read the last verse out of this, Matthew 25, verse 46, about this bad place. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the contrast of the two places, that's a really clear statement. You've either got eternal punishment or, or eternal, eternal life. life. Right. Those are the two destinations. Destinations. There is no middle ground place. There, there is no middle or no holding place. No, no holding time place. No place to pay for your sins and then be sent to another place. Yeah. It's one or the other. One or the for other. For eternity. Yeah. And the word eternal means just exactly Yeah, that. and we'll, we'll talk a little more about that because that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. How about another one? John 5, 26. Uh, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given unto him uh, authority to execute judgment. So there's Jesus there's judging Jesus. also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, that they have, uh, that they have done good unto the resurrection of life, and that they who have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So according to this, there's just like there's two places to go, there's two resurrections. Two resurrections. The two res destinations in the resurrection. Right. And yeah. the resurrection to life, eternal life, right. and the resurrection, uh, which of course is biblical heaven. Exactly. One, one biblical right. heaven right. and the resurrection which uh, to damnation, which is biblical hell. Yeah. Now, yeah. That what's interesting is this culture redefines so many words in yeah, the Bible. Know, where you don't even really know what you're talking about if you don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And damnation of, is one of them. They, mm -hmm. The damnation to them doesn't reflect what the Bible teaches damnation is. Yeah. In fact, the Encyclopedia of Mormonism uh, gives the definition of damnation. The word damn, damned, and damnation to them means to block something. Like a beaver with a dam, like you a know, and you block it, and okay. then that can be taken out of the way, and then the damnation is gone. And and so when somebody is saved to be damned, yeah. that means that they can come out of that damnation and eventually go to one of the other two kingdoms. That is not, not biblical at all. No. And I wouldn't want to. I would not want to risk my eternity. 
based no. on that unbiblical definition. And we have, a, we have a remarkable resource where we can look at the Greek words yes. that these come from and find uh -huh. out how that Greek word was used in classical Greek, ancient Greek, and right. see how it's used in a the whole ton of dictionary. literature. Mm -hmm. And so there's really, you can't just make up what you think the word means in English. Just because you don't like what it really a means. Exactly. It, this, True. this is a bad word, this damnation. You don't want to go there. That's right. You don't want to do it, this. And it never ends. It never ends. There's another two-way thing, and we know this one pretty well. It's the, it's the wide way or the narrow way. It's not the wide way, the semi-wide way, and the narrow way. It's just the wide way and the narrow way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, there's several places you find this. I, in Luke 13, 22, here's a piece of that story. Uh, it says he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that are saved? And he said unto them, unto them strive to enter in at the straight gate. Straight means narrow, kind mm -hmm. of confining. Go in the narrow gate for many Many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Wow. They'll try. Yeah. That's what he's saying. They'll try. But this gate is so narrow, straight. I and mean, that's an old English word, like the Strait of Gibraltar. It's a real narrowing kind of thing. He says, if you want to get through there, and straight always has this idea of being kind of cramped. It's that tight. I mean, you can, you can barely fit your body through it. That's yeah. straight. He says, it's going to be so narrow that very few will find it. But they'll try. Yeah. They'll seek to enter in and they won't be able. And then uh, at a similar place in Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, 7.13, Jesus says, uh, Enter through the narrow gate. So there it is again. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. Ah! Now that's a pretty bad word. I'll talk about that in a second. And there are many who enter through it. Many. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I like in that last sentence, there are few who find who it. Find that it. word find means... They're looking. They're looking. They're yeah. looking for exactly. the truth. And only those who truly look for the truth will find it. That's right. That's right. And, and the previous Luke 13, you know, it says they shall not be able. So even if they find it, they won't understand what it takes. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't want you to miss this. The majority of the people in these scenarios don't make it. They don't. They don't make it. Uh, and that's a problem because when we talk about the three degrees of glory in the three heavens, as defined, you know, well, especially in DNC 76, but almost everybody makes it to one of those. Yeah. Almost everybody. So that's, that's the that's exact the opposite, opposite of what of this is what saying. what God teaches. Yeah, so it just, it doesn't do that. And I looked up that word destruction, the broad that leads to destruction, because I had a conversation with a LDS missionary once, and we talked about this very word. And I said, what do you think that means, that destruction word? Because it sounds bad. And he says, well, it just kind of means sort of losing your way and the negative consequences when you sort of lose your way. And I said, well, I, I, no, it's not what it is at all. And uh, it's this very famous word, um, apulia, the Greek word apulia, and it shows up many times in the New Testament, 19 times, and the most frequent translation of apulia in the New Testament is perdition. Mm. So what he's saying is that the broad road leads to perdition. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's yeah. a very different kind of idea than what you hear. Than what you hear in this culture. In this culture, Boy, yeah. That, that, that ought to give people, they're, they're fools if they don't look these things up and test them out for themselves. They really are. Yeah. Um, so the hard part of all of this is what's hell going to be like? Well, if we just, if we just review what we just read, yeah. right? And, and this is easy. In the, the tares and the wheat, the tares, those are the people who are not going to make it, they get bundled and burned. And this burning theme will come up a lot. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 25, it's eternal fire. Mm -hmm. Ah. Uh, in Matthew 25, later on, it's eternal punishment. 
you, you sense the theme with the eternal thing yeah, as well? Yeah, it's eternal. Um, uh, in John 5, it's it's the resurrection to life or the resurrection of damnation. damnation. So this, that's this damnation, this cursing. And, uh, and then Matthew 7, it's destruction. It's the apolia. It's the perdition. Mm -hmm. It's just total annihilation. Yeah, wow. So, so it's, I mean, there's no way you can paint this as a good place. <laughs> yeah, and, and even the lowest glory, of their three glories, the telestial, they, they say that Joseph Smith taught that people, it was, it's so good there so that people good. will kill themselves to get there. Right, and right. that's totally upside down. No, and this Bible says, teaches. and this is not all of them. There's, there's many that say you got to watch out. The broad road yeah. is where most people will go. Where most of them will go. Yeah. Now, and, and back to what we talked about earlier, we're always hearing that a loving God would never send his children to a place of eternal torment like hell is described as being, and, and I hear people saying, well, when Jesus talked about hell, it was just in hyperbole. It wasn't a real literal hell. Um, will God really, a loving God, really consign people to hell? And that's what, that's what this culture yeah. holds on to. They don't believe he'll do that. Yeah, if he's a loving God, how could he do that? Yeah. And I have to admit, that's an honest question. It is. That's a very honest question. But what you have to do is you have to take what you already know, for instance, of, say, a loving father. Because Jesus even talked about bad fathers doing loving things. But even... Even fathers will discipline children, okay? Yeah. And this is yeah. not discipline. This is much worse than discipline. So if you, if you, if you see God as being this very two-dimensional, hyper-good, never consign anyone to hell kind of thing, then you're also leaving out the whole prospect that he would even discipline his children mm. for their good. So mm. he, he's, he's bigger and broader and more just than we give him credit for. Mm -hmm. um, let me read this passage, because this one staggers me every mm -hmm. time I read it. Yeah. Um, this is in Luke 16, verse 19, and it's the story of Lazarus, the beggar, and the rich man. So let me read this slowly to you and see what you think. So this is Jesus speaking, mm -hmm. right out of the words of Jesus, right. verse 19 of chapter 16 of Luke. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Well, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, this beggar, in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, mm. for I am tormented in this flame. Now that is not good. That's yeah, understatement, Doris. Not yeah, understatement. it's a bad deal. Mm -hmm. But Abraham said, this is verse 25, Luke 16. Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received good, thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now... He is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all of this, between us and you, there's, well, there's a great gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith to him, well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if, uh, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. 
And it wasn't very long after that, Jesus died and rose from the dead, and people still don't believe him. And they were not persuaded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so here, this is an interesting story because uh, it's one of the few places where Jesus tells a story, and he doesn't say this is a parable. No. Now, we, it could be a parable, but, but it is so realistic in the way he talks about this, maybe this is reality in some sense. But he's not using, he's not using myth and fable to illustrate um, some other thing. You know, he'll, right. he'll use myth, not myth, but he'll use illustrations and metaphors to talk about other things, like the kingdom of God is like a mustard right. seed. He, Here he, he just says, that. this is heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. This is heaven and hell. And there's a, uh, what's interesting to note is that there's a gigantic gap. There's a chasm between the two. So even if, uh, even if Abraham or Lazarus would have sent to try and do something to help, he's saying, well, we can't. It's, and it's fixed. It's that means fixed. it will never change. Can't it be will broached. always be. Yeah, so yeah. we just can't come from here to there or there to here. I'm sorry, it's stuck. Mm -hmm. We're stuck. We're in where we're going to be. Forever. Yeah. And which, which sort of throws away the idea that what he's talking about is not the classic LDS idea of spirit, prison, and paradise, where right. there actually is going and coming from all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. No, this is, this is permanent. And by the Absolutely. way, th this idea, there, there's two words that are used frequently in the New Testament that are translated uh, eternal or everlasting. And the one that's used in this particular passage is the, is the one of the two that doesn't so much signify the timeless aspect, but the permanence, the unchangeability aspect of it. So, so this situation with the, with the rich man in hell, with Lazarus and, Lazarus, Lazarus and Abraham's bosom, is permanent and unchangeable. Permanent that's what it's getting at right wow. here. Yeah. Oh, it, oh, it just... It shatters me it, when I read it. It is. It is. And especially for those, uh, Satan's got, got them right where they want them when they don't believe that there's a hell. Yeah. They don't believe there's the judgment that God's going to get. Yeah. And a, a lot of people will uh, they'll gloss over passages like this and they'll say, well, I prefer to think that hell is really just a state of mind. Or, I prefer to think that hell is just uh, a horrible remorse on my part. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that you and die. We make our own hell. And you make your own hell, and you suddenly realize the gigantic opportunity you've lost to participate with a loving God, and so it's just remorse. No. no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's no. not what this the, says. The, you know, someone said you can look at the cross and, and see how much God loves us, and also look at the same cross and see how much He hates sin, because He took yes. our hell for us on the cross. Exactly. That's not, I, that, what He suffered on the cross. He either suffered my hell or I suffered my own hell. Yeah. That's basically what it That's is. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. In fact, Joseph Smith, I want to quote something Joseph Smith said. You brought it up from the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. He did teach the heresy that hell is a state of mind. In yeah. fact, this mm. is what he said, and I quote, A man is his own tormentor and his own condemner. Now, we just learned that Jesus is the one that's going Jesus, to do Jesus the judging and condemning. Yeah, right. But Joseph Smith says, no, that we do it to ourselves. Hence the saying, he said, they shall go into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. The torment of disappointment in the mind of man is as exquisite as a lake burning with fire and brimstone. But, and so he's saying that, mm. that it's, it is our state of mind. That that is our hell, just and like the, you were just and talking. And the fire and brimstone is just like a metaphor for this of of our regret, regret. or whatever it is. Oh, but it's wow. not. And Jesus it's Christ, we just read so many things that yeah. Jesus Himself warned us 
about and against hell. In fact, when he said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If yeah. your hand offends you, cut it off. He's more or less saying, do whatever it takes to stay out of hell, is, yeah. is what he's saying. Do, yeah. the, yeah. do the, the greatest worst thing you think you have to do to make sure that you don't go into hell. Yeah, and when he said that passage where he says, you know, cut off your hand if it offend thee or pluck out your eyes, he wasn't talking about doing something wrong. He was talking about the attitude of the heart. Uh-huh, yeah. So, like, like the lust. You say if you happen to lust, you haven't committed adultery, but you've lusted. You might as well pluck your eyes out so you prevent yourself from lusting because that attitude of your heart will get you sent to hell. Mm-hmm, so and you it's better to go into heaven Blind. Maimed than exactly. going internally into hell. So the hell. line seems very hard to satisfy. That's the that's narrow true. way. That's, that's the, narrow, the way. narrow way. It's the attitude of the heart, not just the actions of the hand. And that's why few get in there, because yeah. they can play act in the front, uh, but God sees the secrets, and the attitude of the heart will keep people from going into the that narrow way. The secrets of the heart we read about before. The, right. all, the all the things that you are successfully hiding from everybody else right mm -hmm. now, you won't hide them from God. You won't hide them from God, yeah. absolutely. Well, it's time to open up the telephone lines right now. We do have a little more to talk about, but we also want to include you in our conversation if you would like to call in and talk. And of course, we do like to hear from people who agree with us and who don't agree with us. But if you don't agree with us, don't yell at us. And please <laughs> uh, give us the opportunity to have a two-way conversation. So we're going to open their phone lines. And our number is 801-973-8820. That's 973-TV. 20 and as we wait for your calls to come in we will share our message with you you are watching polygamy what love is this broadcasting live from salt lake city utah this program is the broadcast outreach of a shield and refuge ministry shield and refuge is a point of first contact for mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. 
Welcome back to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I'm your host, Doris Hansen. And with our guest tonight, Pastor Jim Catlin from the Main Street Church of Brigham City, we have been talking about and bringing to our TV screens uh, scriptures that talk about hell. Is, is hell the way uh, our culture has taught it for so many years, or is hell exactly the way it is described in the Bible? And uh, we've been talking about that it, the source of our information is straight from the mouth of Jesus. We don't rely upon the LDS or the FLDS or any other religion or, or rule of man to tell us what it means Jesus himself told us what it is and what it means. And so our telephone lines are open. If you want to call in, ask questions, or make comments, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Jim, as we have gone through this, we've, we've discussed the reality of it the way Jesus taught it. Is it permanent? I mean, how long will hell last? How long will hell last? That is always the question of the day. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, a lot of people who know beloved relatives who've died, who suspect that maybe they didn't get in over the wire for heaven, you know, the, the second question is, well, okay, so what they're experiencing won't last forever, right? Mm. I mean, God's yeah. a loving God. He'll let them out. Well, okay, let's read some verses. <laughs> and, and the most pithy ones I could find come out of Revelation, because Revelation has this, this final judgment in it. Revelation 14.11 uh, says, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Now that's wow. forever and ever is long. That uh, doesn't sound like it has an end. And there's another one, more famous one in Revelation 20 when you get to that final judgment. Um, uh, the same place that the bad people go is where the devil's going. Revelation 20:10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And on another passage we already read, that's the same place where the people who go to the wide road mm -hmm. end up. Mm -hmm. So it, it says... It says forever and ever. I mean, it's very hard to say that that means well. It's over the weekend. And then yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we can't redefine. However, Joseph Smith, up to his normal <laughs> expected works, <Yeah. laughs> redefined that as well. In in Doctrine and Covenants nineteen verses six through seven and verses ten through twelve, we want to share with our viewers what he said about this. Mm. Quote. Nevertheless, it is not written that there shall be no end. Now, see, he's, oh, okay. he's right there contradicting what Jesus said. It is not written there shall be no end to this torment, but it is written endless torment. Again, it is written eternal damnation. For behold, I am endless, and the punishment which is given from my hand is endless punishment. For endless is my name. Wherefore, mm. eternal punishment is God's punishment. Endless punishment is God's punishment. So he essentially redefined what endless and what eternal means in discussing the prospect of hell. Now he can try yeah. and redefine words, but God's vocabulary doesn't change. He, he, what he said, yeah. he still means no matter what Joseph Smith tried to twist it into. Those me. English words have English, have Greek roots, you know, mm -hmm. and again, I, I have to emphasize, especially the King James translators, when they saw there were two words that were used almost interchangeably for eternal and everlasting. And every time they saw this one particular Greek word, it, it meant timeless. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, that it has no beginning and no end. That, that's what it is. In that sense, it's used a lot about God. But the other one, uh, which is almost always translated as everlasting by the King James translators, means permanent and unchanging. It doesn't talk so much about time. 
the first one talks about time because it comes from the same Greek word we use as for eon. Mm -hmm. it, it's yeah. built on that, which mm -hmm. usually means just a, a period of time, but it's expanded to being timeless. But this second one is the one that terrifies me. It's permanent it's, and unchangeable. And, it's dur and the duration is, it's yes. not because God is endless, the duration is endless. Duration actually is endless. endless. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how can we avoid hell? That's that's the best question tonight. <laughs> I hope that's what everyone's asking, to I tell you the so truth, too. because it paints such a stark picture. You don't want to go there. It's just very clear you don't want to go there. Well, uh, we'll talk a ton about this next week. Next but let week. me just throw a couple verses on here, because I think these are, these are staggering. So consider this as a tickler for next week. <laughs> Matthew 5.20. Jesus, now this is very close to one of the most favorite passages for all Mormons. It's Matthew 5. Matthew 5.20. Jesus says, I say to you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Exceed. Wow. exceed. Now, that was troubling to the people because the Pharisees are the professional law guys. They know everything about the law. If anyone's going to make it, they're going to make it. And I remember seeing, I remember seeing a, uh, uh, a drama recreation of this very scene. And there's a crowd over here, and there's these skeptical Pharisees over here. And Jesus walks right up next to one of these Pharisees and puts his arm around him and says, Unless you're better than him, <laughs> you're not going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Which means... He's, He's not, not going to make it either. So that's a staggering statement. It is. And to everyone who's listening, who doesn't, who's illiterate, who doesn't know how to read the law of Moses, this is a death sentence. But that's the standard. Uh -huh. Now let me give you another one. This one to me is even worse. And uh, and before next week, I want you to read the context to this. But mm -hmm. this is this is really here. I, I I took this out of the Bible. I'm not making any words up here. <laughs> Matthew 19, 25 and 26. Jesus is talking to them, and after he finishes talking to them. We pick up the story. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they asked, well, who then can be saved? Good question. And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. And I think he left a long pause right there. And then he says, but with God all things are possible. So if you're banking on the fact that you're going to somehow maneuver your way into heaven by how you do it, Jesus yeah. says with man, with man, this is impossible. It's impossible. That's the straight way. It's so narrow that no matter how hard you're able, even if you spot it, you won't be able to force your way in. You won't be able to get in. It's God. It's God's like God's way. God's got a way figured yeah. out. So God's we'll talk about that more next and, week. And that's, that's certainly the out. And we will yeah. be talking about heaven next week and how you can avoid hell. But we do have a couple of calls right now. So why don't we see what they have to say? On line one, we have Renee calling from Eagle Mountain. Hello, Renee. Hi, how are you? Ooh, just fine, thank you. You're on the air. Thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make a comment about a loving God. How could a loving God send us to hell? Well, I don't believe that He is sending us to hell. I believe that we're doing that ourselves by not following the right path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I think people are confused about that. Well, how could a loving God do that? Well, he's not doing that. He has told us that this is what's going to happen if you don't go the right path. But it's our choice. He gave yeah. us a choice. You're, you're absolutely right. And we'll be That's talking right. more about right. choice next week when we, when we do the second part of the show, okay. uh, talking about heaven. And then, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but, that's fine. And then, too, I'm confused about the... I, I was raised in the LDS Church. However, I don't um, practice it. Um, but I think people are confused 
in the LDS religion as to what they're supposed to be doing in these three kingdoms of heaven. And I was wondering if... And we'll be talking you know, more about heaven next week, and, and if we have time, we'll talk about what, what the Bible, what little the Bible talks about, uh, what heaven yeah. is like and what we'll be doing there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully I'll be able to see it next week. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Thanks for calling, Renee. Good night. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Good night. Okay, good call, that one was. Yes, very good. Line two, we have Larry from Salt Lake City. Hello, Larry. Yes. You're on the air. Okay. I was wondering where Satan came from, since there's no pre-existence. There's no pre-existence for man, but there ha was for Jesus and there is for the angels. But go ahead. And Satan's, a created, oh, angels Satan's a created being like the angels. He came from God. God's the only non-caused cause in the universe. So, and then what happens to the millions of, of, like, babies and people that don't ever get to be down here very long? Do you believe that they come again, or is there anything written on that anywhere? There, there isn't any babies in heaven waiting to come down here, because there is oh, no pre-existence. they've already been down here. They've died. So mm -hmm. how can they be judged if they were a baby? Well, do you, do you, oh, tr yeah. do you trust in God's perfect justice? Yes. Then I think he's got that figured out. Yeah. So there's no judging them at all. Where do you think they go? Well, there's a story about David, and he yeah. has a little baby that it got, gets sick, and uh, he pleads that God will uh, let him live, but the baby dies. Right. And David, um, at that point, gets up, and he cleans himself up from, from being, uh, you know, on his face in prayer and all that, and they ask David, why are you, uh, you're, you're just up and doing life now, where before the baby died and there was a chance, um, you weren't, but mm -hmm. now you're up and you're just living life as mm -hmm. though it hadn't happened. And David said um, that the baby, but there was a chance then, but now the baby is gone. He says, I will go to him, but he won't come back to me. Which, of course, shows us that babies up in the higher kingdom or up in are heaven. up in heaven. But be then be when he said they'd come back to him, they don't come back. He'll be in hell or wherever he is. No. Nobody gets to hell. I mean, no one gets No, David's to obviously going to heaven. Yeah, he's going to heaven. And he knew he How was going. How does he going. know that? He hasn't be been judged. Because God promises. But that's the way out that we're going to talk about next yeah. week because God promises eternal life to those who will go through that narrow way, right, his narrow way. way. But he doesn't and know that at that point. Sure he does. You bet he does. Sounds more like... David knew. Oh, yeah, David knew. I think if you read the Psalms, you'll you realize he did know. Uh-huh. For sure. Okay. Yeah. He knew then before he died or before he was even judged where he was going. But well, Jesus, you know what? The, the interesting thing is, we'll give you a clue for next week. Jesus judged our sins on the cross. And for all of those people who are trusting in Jesus alone for eternal life, our sins are judged already on the cross. Right. And that's where it seems like there'd be more people than what you're saying will get into heaven. No, because they want to do it their way. They want to work their way to heaven. And God will not take anyone to heaven who tries to work their way there. I don't know if most people are even working their way to heaven. They're just living, and they're not doing that good of a job. Well, there's still that <laughs> narrow way. There's still the repentance. Yeah, I know that's that what there's you're saying. There's not many that will get there. That's but, right. Oh. So that's fine. You're uh, very good. Okay, appreciate it. Anything you want to no, add that's, to that? No, that's good. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Okay, yeah. thanks for calling. You betcha. Bye. Bye. Okay, our phone lines are open. If anybody wants to call in and, and uh, put in their two cents worth, we'd certainly love to hear from you. Um, I have another quote here that I thought we would bring up uh, sure. from 
Joseph Smith. It's from a, um, a book called Seeker After Truth. And in that book, uh, Joseph Smith is quoted as saying, and it should go up on the screen, In the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there is no hell. All will find a measure of salvation. All must pay for any infringement of the law, but the payment will be as the Lord may decide, end quote. Now, this is what Joseph Smith said. He has totally called Jesus a liar in this statement. He, he yeah, actually I don't know how he has. reconciles the verses we just read. That's right. That's but, tough. but here is something that really hits us very, very sad. He says, all must pay for any infringement of the law. Right. Then why, did, then why did Jesus die on the cross? Right, that's right. If we all have to pay, why did he die? Yeah, and did he need to die? If we could pay, yeah. why don't we just pay the whole check ourselves? That's exactly right. Yeah, and Paul says very clearly, if you want to take that route, you have to understand that you have no benefit from Christ whatsoever. That's it's right. either or. You've fallen from Christ. You, you mm -hmm. pay the whole game by doing it yourself and being perfect. Yeah. And you must be perfect or you're cursed. Perfect. There, yeah, there can be no, not even one mistake. Or you place all of your trust in Christ. And that's all just a very Jesus. solid documented biblical theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one more thing, we're getting, we're getting close. Maybe I can get this one in, I hope, because we don't have any calls. <laughs> but a quote from Orson Pratt, and he said, I want to prophesy that all men and women who oppose the revelation which God has given in relation to polygamy will find themselves in darkness. The Spirit of God will withdraw from them from the very moment of their opposition to that principle until they will finally go down to hell and be damned if they do not repent. Now, if you want to get into darkness, brethren and sisters, begin to oppose this revelation. Sisters, you begin to say before your husbands, or husbands, you begin to say before your wives, I do not believe in the <coughs> principle of polygamy, and I intend to instruct my children against it. Oppose it in this way, and teach your children to do the same. And if you do not become as dark as midnight, there is no truth in Mormonism. Now, I ask this question. Hmm. Orson Pratt was designated as a prophet in Doctrine and Covenants 34. Is there truth in Mormonism or not? Orson Pratt says if the Mormon people give up polygamy and do not practice it, even if their attitude is against it, they will go down to hell and be damned. Hell and damned. Was Orson Pratt a prophet? Why aren't the Mormon people living polygamy? Based on their own early prophets and teachers. I, I would be living polygamy if I believe this. <laughs> That's it. why we have FLDS. I wonder, is, this, is this an 1852 thing? I don't know, a Journal of Discourses? But yeah, it's, oh gosh, it's No, horrible. this was, uh, no, the Journal of Discourses yeah. page, uh, well, I'm not sure it if it was 1852. It might have been his sermon when he... I, I think it he, is, because it rings a bell. Yeah. I think it rings a bell. But to, to think about the fact that if you don't live polygamy, you're damned and going to hell. You're damned and going to hell. Opinion. He said, or "There's the no truth in Mormonism. Yeah, right. If they don't right. do this, so that condemns the entire Mormon Church right there because they don't believe in polygamy." So I think the fundamentalists have a case against the LDS yes. Church as being apostate. That's why we say this is true. they're the true Mormons. Yeah. That yeah. because they held on well, to the polygamy doctrine. So we we hope that we haven't. Uh, cause too much distress tonight by any of our viewers, but do hope <laughs> there, that you'll pick up the Bible. There'll be good news next week, really. <laughs> good news there next will. Week. But this is hard, bad news, and it's uh -huh. it's real. But it's true. It's true. It's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. And sometimes truth is hard to take, but one thing for sure is truth doesn't change. Mm -hmm. uh, so tune in next week as we will be talking about heaven and uh, how to avoid hell and, and what heaven will be like. So we'll see 
uh, I'll hold my breath week. until next week. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Biblical Christians are supposed to teach the entire Word of God, even the parts about hell. Jesus believed about hell and he taught that hell exists and he said that hell was created for the devil and for his angels. However, people choose hell when they refuse to accept God's only way to heaven. Tragically, too many people believe that there is more than one way to heaven and they want eternity to be on their own terms and they act like God doesn't know what he's doing so they need to set him straight. But God is not answerable to us. He will never do things our way just because we don't like it his way. And God cannot break his own code of justice and justice demands penalty for sin. Most people don't realize that hell is not for evil people. Hell is for people who reject the truth and try to earn eternal life their way. Those who reject God's will here will find no attraction for heaven where God's will will always be done uh, in complete holiness. They would find God's heaven totally unsuitable for them uh, and there's only one other place of course and that's hell. The truth will always be the truth. No matter what we want it to be, truth doesn't change. And we're all free to choose where we will spend eternity. But if you want to go to heaven, if any of us want to go to heaven, we must choose God way, that narrow way, or we won't get there. No matter how good our way sounds, or how spiritual it seems, or how neatly paved with good intentions, it's not through our human work, it's not through self-effort, or through any human religious rule. There's only one way, and that's through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So next week is the good news. How do we get to heaven, and what is it like? One hint, we can never earn what Jesus has already paid for. Thanks for watching, and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Thank you.